Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum by Short & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Mansour's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. We all know the internet and the many mobile platforms it has given birth to are changing the way we do business. Still, it's always amazing to learn about some new company or tech startup that is using the latest technology to solve a problem that you didn't even know existed or streamline an industry that perhaps you never thought of before. Our guests today include two Baton Rouge companies that are doing just that. The first is Courtney Sparkman, whose company OfficerReports.com creates affordable and easy-to-use software that helps security guard services better manage their operations and better service their current contracts. This is one of those things you probably never thought of, unless you're in the security business, which Courtney was. And over the years, he saw all sorts of ways that technology could make it easier for security officers in the field to do their jobs and for the owners of such companies to keep tabs on their employees. Now he has developed software that his company is selling to security firms worldwide. Courtney, thanks for being with us here today on Out to Lunch. It's a cool story. We look forward to hearing it. Thank you for having me. While Courtney's company is servicing the security industry, my next guest has created a tech startup focused on the nonprofit sector. The company is called ExemptMeNow.com and its owner is Savitri Wilson. ExemptMeNow has created a software with a user-friendly mobile platform that makes it easy for nonprofit organizations to get started and, once started, stay compliant by helping them file all the cumbersome, confusing paperwork that is required of tax-exempt organizations. Anyone who's ever worked with a 501c3 knows what a big issue that is. And Savitri, we look forward to hearing your story. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Well, Courtney, I'm going to start with you, and they say to being a good writer is to write what you know. I suppose the same thing goes with being a successful tech startup. Create something that you fundamentally understand, and you came from the security business. Is that, is that how you came to recognize this need and come up with the ideas for it? That is absolutely it. Actually, before I started with the security guard company, I worked in the marketing research industry. And in marketing research, I was all about data and software, and, you know, that's kind of how I did my job. Then my father said, you know, I'm retiring. He's, you know, he was going to be a retiring police officer. So I said, all right, what do you want to do? He said, I want to start a security guard company. And I'm like, there's no way in the world I'm getting involved with that. <laughs> but uh, we ended up going into business. And one of the things that was really kind of a culture shock to me was just how manual the industry was. Really? You know? Now, it, how long ago is this we're talking about? Uh, we started back in 2002. So okay. we started the business in 2002, ended up successfully exiting in about 2009, 2010. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, eight years of a lot of learned lessons. I bet. Yeah, so uh, just in experiencing all that, it was, you know, kind of headache after headache. And coming from the marketing research industry, it was like, you know, there has to be an easier way of doing all this stuff. Now, was there any software out there at the time that existed? Absolutely. Great question. And at the time, there was, if you were a billion-dollar organization, okay. which we definitely weren't. Right. <laughs> so it was zero employees, zero customers. So, you know, we were looking for something that was really not cost-effective. And 
there just wasn't anything. Sure. Um, and, and then I would imagine that there are a lot of pitfalls that are sort of unique to the private security service industry. And I mean, just a unique set of employees probably and just stuff that you probably wouldn't think of. And, and the thing is, I, I wouldn't say it's unique to the security industry, but it's going to be unique to any, any industry where you have kind of low-skill, low-wage workers, mm -hmm. you know, and especially remote workers, right. right? So these are people that you have to manage that you can never see. You know, are they sure. getting to work on time? Are they performing their jobs? You know, so... <laughs> Uh, yes, it was a very uh, challenging skill set. So, so tell us exactly what your uh, what the software your company has designed actually does. Yeah, so we essentially have designed an ecosystem that, on the front end, has an app that the security officers use, and on the back end, there's a web portal that our customers access. So, essentially, what the security officers are doing are inputting information, and based on that information, such as you know, what happened on the site. Mm -hmm. What time I got here? Making sure that you know I'm not sleeping in the conference room at 2 a.m. Right. right. So we make sure that the app is transmitting information to our customers, and our customers can access that in real time. So if there's a problem, they can address it now and not wait until they get a picture of a sleeping guard uh, on their cell phone from a customer. <laughs> Been there. Who? <laughs> Have you really? Yeah. I bet. Um, who designed the software for you? Did you actually do this, or you hired out? Actually, you know, I, I took leap of faith and taught myself a little code and came up with like a, a minim, MVP, minimally viable product, and started to sell that. And people started buying and then they stayed That is so impressive with a marketing background. I love right, it. Right, right, oh, right. There's, hope, there's hope for me yet. <laughs> so, you know, after I started that, people started saying, hey, well, we needed to do this. And that's when I kind of got serious and said, you know what, I'm not a developer. Mm -hmm. And I found my current co-founder who is, you know, the tech guy. Okay. Don't, don't confuse me with the tech guy. Right. That's no. not me. That's not me. So, uh, yeah, so Victor Scott is our co-founder, and he's the guy with the 20 years' worth of software development, database architecture, okay. all that stuff. Well, I, I'm going to put you on hold for just a minute because I see Savitri nodding in agreement. I, I sense a lot of uh, synergy here. Is your story similar? Savitri, of course, you come from a marketing background, uh -huh. have a marketing firm yes. here in Baton Rouge, and you're launching a tech startup now with, with your co-founder. Yes. And... Uh, in the nonprofit sector, was it a similar sort of recognition of the need for something like this? And did you start to build the software yourself? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I did not go out and learn coding, um, although that would have been advantageous and probably would have saved me some money in the long run. Uh, we actually hired a developer um, that essentially built, um, we actually had a little, I would say a story even behind the developer itself, um, but beginning, when we first started Solid Ground Innovations, we started very much so handling working with nonprofits, okay. um, particularly startup nonprofits as well as private foundations, so uh, Kellogg Foundation, Ford Foundation, um, foundations that primarily handle large cases of grantee partners. Uh, we also worked with private companies and public organizations, uh, government entities, et cetera. But there was always this special place in my heart. I come from not only marketing background, but worked um, right out the gates with CASA, and so really understood the dynamics of nonprofits in general, um, not only from a grantee side, but from a grantor side as mm -hmm. well. And as SGI kind of grew up, we kind of grew out of working with startup nonprofits. And if anyone has ever started a Texas entity, you know that is not for the faint of heart. It right. takes a lot of energy, a lot of work. And what these startups needed wasn't something that we were now able to 
to continue to provide. Mm -hmm. And we worked with startups literally from the ground up. So literally incorporating, helping them incorporate, helping them go through their 1023 process to get, become tax exempt. We really helped them from A to Z to get on their feet and kind of launch them onto the world. So you really know the path of, yes. of how to make this happen and the many yes. steps that you have to go through. Absolutely. So in our very uh, beginning stages, we used to do these very basic compliance services for taxes and entities. And, you know, we've helped charters and healthcare clinics and um, youth programs get started and get off the ground. You know, we've had clients from attorneys and accountants who are like, this is just very tedious work, but, you know, it's something that we really don't want to do, but we need to do it because our clients are coming to us sure. and requesting this, so they would literally um, send us the work. So we were getting all these referrals, and I was like, mm, as we continue to grow as a company, uh, startup nonprofits just wasn't what our service uh, line was moving towards. So we decided to spin off into another company, which we named Exempt Me Now. And it started with very basic um, principles of we're going to just continuously do our what our MVP was, and that was helping startups manually file, um, become compliant, and then kind of send them off on the right path. And that evolved into now what we consider our company to do, and that is create and maintain high-performing tax-exempt entities. Now, and that's and what we seek to and do. And you're doing this with a, a sophisticated but easy-to-use yes. web interface, uh, app, Above. Yes, so what I realized, I was like, okay, if we're going to spin this off into the company, we can't just continue to do it manually. We have to evolve the process. We have to release some of the touches that we're experiencing with clients and the calls and the hand-holding sure. that takes place when you're trying to help um, organizations get off the ground. So I actually went out to Palo Alto because one of my marketing directors at the time, I had went to Stanford and he was like, you know, I you know, had a classmate and he's really great at this. I think that he can put something together and really bring your vision uh, to reality. So I went out to Palo Alto and sat down uh, with a developer for two and a half days and he sketched out the wireframes and what became a 40 page specifications deck. And I was like, all right, so this is, this, is <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Now, you know, I'm taking this back to Louisiana um, and began a search for a developer who could take this deck and bring it to life. And I didn't really want to pay with Palo Alto prices. I was like, oh no, you know, this this has come with some investors, you know, what <laughs> <laughs> come with. <laughs> and so I brought it back to uh, Baton Rouge and I um, found we found the developer um, and now who created our user interface and created the design, the branding uh, for Exempt Me Now, and we've been moving forward um, in a forward direction ever since. Now, c can you just log on and do this without actually interacting with? So you have choices. Um, ideally, what we are expecting for individuals to do, and we have beta tests of uh, the platform itself, is to go on and go A through Z. So very much so like a turbo tax for taxism entities. Mm -hmm. um, Do-it-yourself type of model. Now there are tiers where you can say, hey, maybe I need some help with this. And if you want for a, a additional fee for someone to actually um, call you on the phone and actually talk you through it, you can have that service as well. But the bulk of our clients we're expecting um, to go through the automated service itself. Um, and then there's also 
different iterations that we'll launch three months and then another three months after that that will take us through three entire phases. And, and what kind of fees are we talking about here? So for, and we've reduced probably, I would say we've reduced the fees of what you would pay an attorney from anywhere between $2,500 to $4,500 or more, depending on um, who you're going to, to a starting fee of $399. Oh, that's so very reasonable. Absolutely. That's, I mean, even, the, even a little bitty nonprofit can afford that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And we have created, and we'll launch this uh, three months from our original launch date is a white label system for accountants and attorneys to be able to do it themselves, well, us do it for them, mm -hmm. but for them to have a white label system for their clients and to service them easier. I mean, you can charge whatever you like to charge. However, you only have to pay a base enterprise fee to work with the system. So this is a question I want to ask both of you. It, was there nobody else or no other company doing, doing this, what, what you all are doing? Uh, yeah, well, with us, there were a couple of competitors in this space, but what we figured out was, you know, most of our competitors were software guys. You know, so they built some software because they thought they knew how to solve a problem. But as you talk to more people, and, then, and I saw some of the software, it just it didn't work the way it should work. Mm -hmm. Because, again, you know, they didn't have uh, th their feet and their customer shoes, where I was the customer. So the way we designed our software spoke specifically to our customers. So there was definitely a difference. And, and, and what about you, Savitri? So we don't have, so our competitors are more uh, service-related industries, not necessarily this automated system that we've created. Uh, so like a rocket lawyer or a legal Zoom, however, they focus on filing papers holistically. So anything related to legal work, they file but it's not an automated system, right? So you physically, they'll send you a binder with all this information and you still have to do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And then you have to mail in information wow. yourself. So we will be the first uh, company to automate the service. How, how was it when you launched, Courtney? And, and what words of advice might you have for Exempt Me Now? Uh, it was a struggle, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest. So, you know, again, kind of my background, sales, marketing, research. To me, picking up the phone, finding clients, you know, hey, buy for me, buy for me. You know, it, it was an established way of doing business. Uh, what I've learned very quickly is that people have changed the way that they buy. Mm -hmm. You know, now it's not, you know, pick up a phone and talk to a salesperson. People want to go online, find out about you, and then they make the decision to right. buy. So, I mean, to me, and I tell this to everybody, I think social media is the best thing that has ever happened to small business because it makes it, makes it so much easier for businesses to touch the people who are going to buy your service without you trying to force something down their throats. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, tell me how you have marketed internationally because you said you all sell worldwide, and I was interested in following up on that. Uh, you know, again, you know, my, my concept here is people have questions, they're trying to figure out how to solve problems, they don't necessarily want to talk to a salesperson. So we invested heavily, uh, it's been three years now, in content marketing. Okay. So there are going to be you know, questions that every security guard company has about how do I sell, how do I better manage my operations, and since you know 2013 we have constantly putting out content about how to solve those problems. There really wasn't anybody in our industry that was doing that. Uh, I, I, so this is a blog that's like part of your website? Absolutely, yes, and, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So right now we get about 14,000 page views on the blog a month. Um, to the website we get about 22,000. So that's really kind of how we're generating, you know. And this is the way that I understand business is going. I mean, absolutely. It has Content to. marketing. It has that's to. the most yes. effective way. Yes. Yeah. You know, great writers and content um, 
editors and content creators are absolutely in high demand and will be in more high demand um, as far as I see it. Yeah. That's encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> so let me understand this. So, so are your SGI clients that are in the nonprofit sector? Do they automatically move over to exempt me now? So, or, I mean, it seems like one firm will be a feeder for for the absolutely. other. Absolutely. Um, what we plan to do is sell them the service. Um, we are very confident that all our current and past tax exempt and nonprofit clients will buy the service. I think that is a um, an easy pickup for us as far as first clients are concerned. Do, do nonprofit organizations or, or security, you know, services have different regulations state by state that would affect maybe your businesses? Well, for me, absolutely. Uh, every state has their own set of rules and regulations. So, Interesting. Uh, we just finished building out an additional module, our time and attendance module, which kind of monitors over time that whole deal. And California is a different kind of state. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. So, Interesting. Yeah, you, it, the challenges of trying to make sure that the platform uh, can cover everyone's needs. Yeah, because yeah, again, every state's different. Okay. Same I'm here. sure in, we have in nonprofits. Heavy huh? regulations, which is actually a seller for our uh, platform. Um, you know, people are a little intimidated and maybe even afraid of the IRS. So, uh, you know, they want to stay in regulations, and we continuously update and ensure that we um, are on forefront of regulations that are coming down from the IRS, the state level, and any others. And that's related to tax exemptions, that's related to um, any other type of uh, we would can say even this is sales tax or things related to nonprofits. Which, if something changes in your state, you're going to receive an alert from Exempt Me Now. Um, so that's a part of your service. Once you, because we also not only sell this uh, one-time service of starting, but the compliance subscription side mm -hmm. is a service that is monthly. Um, and for starting off at 9.99 a month, you really can't beat that. Um, for being able to have this toolbox of resources and services and automatic alerts when laws change and regulations change concerning your nonprofit. All right. Well, y'all, this is a part of the show. We're going to switch gears for a minute. It's called Let Me Ask You This. I know both of you work with a lot of people and you've hired people over the years and have been interviewed. And so I have a list of 20 interview questions here that the human resources people have dreamed up to find out more about their potential hires than you might get from the average resume. So I'm just going to ask you each one question. Pick a number between 1 and 20. 7. All right. So, Savitri, if you woke up and had 2,000 unread emails and could only answer 300 of them, how would you choose which ones to answer? Oh, my gosh. Um, likely, I would probably use... Our, our uh, project management software. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Who would source like through that. them? Um, <laughs> Good and answer. Keywords. Ding, ding, ding. It's all about the keywords. Mm, keywords. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Courtney. <laughs> I like that. Give me a, a number. Uh, Thirteen. If I assembled three of your former supervisors in a room and asked them about you, what would they say about you that is not true? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's see. <laughs> they, they would probably say that I'm too quick to make a decision. Um, but the thing with me, I, I'm constantly thinking about every situation. I mean, it, it's just who I am. So by the time it's 
time for me to make a decision. You know, I've thought about that, you know, 15,000 times, so it's pretty easy for me to come up with. And one. I think to be an entrepreneur, you have to move fast. I mean, that's, that's just part truth. of the culture. That's the truth. I mean, you're, as an entrepreneur, you're constantly looking at, you know, what might happen, what right. could happen, and you're constantly trying to figure out, I mean, if these things do occur, how do I solve it? Mm -hmm. uh, and when they do occur, it seems like, oh, wow, he just knew what the answer was. Now I've been, you know, dreaming about this, staying up at night, trying to figure out what I would do if this happened. So. Very good. Both of you all are, are building these businesses in Baton Rouge. How has it been getting financing here? And have you had to go outside of the market to look for investors? So, yes, but I've also found investors here. We've uh, raised a seed round in order to get us to this point. Um, probably about two to three months into our launch, we'll go out and raise around A. And, you know, individuals who, um, whether it's Innovation Catalyst and others, we've been surprised by how many people have reached out to us. Idea Village, for example, who just launched a... Their um, course in New Orleans. Yes, and they reached out to us recently to tell us about their new venture capitalist um, their fund? sector. Like their okay. Yeah, so they started a sector for early age um, mm -hmm. firms and high growth companies. So it is not easy because <laughs> I've heard, you know, my friends in the Bay Area that you'll have investors that literally come to the table and drop money into 10 different <laughs> companies. Yeah, just maybe in the Bay Area, one, right? Right? <laughs> just all they need is one to actually yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> hit it big and they're okay with that. And that's like the cycle many of them go through. Um, but I do think that because of our natural industry here in Louisiana, that investors are like, hmm, technology, mm -hmm. tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> Has that been your experience, Courtney? Actually, we haven't really looked for much funding. I mean, we bootstrapped since the beginning. Um, we just started talking to several angels, but in those conversations, what, what I've learned from some is that a lot of people actually go out to the valley to try to find money. But, mm -hmm. in, and not to say this is your case, but mm -hmm. uh, a lot of investors will invest. And again, you know, they're throwing money just at companies, hoping that they get that one unicorn. Yes. But the problem is that any company that they invest in, they're pushing. You know, do more, do more, do yeah. faster. And it's not necessarily good for the company. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my, my, my partner, my co-founder is very, eh, I'm not going to say very against, but he, he's resistant to the idea of taking on money. We're, we're doing fairly well right now without mm -hmm. taking on the investment. But again, uh, finding an investment to me is more about finding a partnership. You mm -hmm. know, someone who kind of envisions the company the way that we envision it. Mm -hmm. And not necessarily, you know, you have to hit these marks every six months or, you know, we're unhappy. Yes. So, you know, we really want to try and grow the company long term. Um, and if there's an exit at the end of that, then fine. Uh, mm -hmm. If not, we'll Is see. the goal to sell ultimately? It hit it? It just depends. I, it just really depends. It really depends, honestly. I mean, uh, again, uh, I, I've always dreamed of having a really big exit. You know, mm -hmm. who doesn't? But uh, if the company is generating the type of revenues where myself, my family, and my one-year-old daughter, you know, oh. uh, uh, we can live a lifestyle that, you know, we've envisioned and my co-founder can do the same thing and my employees are able to enjoy their lives, you know, we don't necessarily have to exit. But if there is a big one at the end, you know, <laughs> I'm not averse to that at all. Yes, I think that, um, so one thing that I would tell any tech startup who's looking for money or need money to invest is that we were able to raise our entire seed under a safe agreement, which is secured agreement for future equity. Mm -hmm. So we didn't give any stake in our company for the monies that we received. Nice. It's very difficult to raise money under a safe. But more So how were you able to do it? So they say, I think it maybe was the four Fs, the Moz. <laughs> 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 um, and they were like, first you start with individuals who are invested in you. 
and who's seen you make successes before and because we've had a great track record with Solid Ground Innovations that people trusted that I could do it again mm -hmm. and maybe even do it bigger and better. So looking at investors, looking at people who don't traditionally maybe put money into technology, but they invest in various different things. Um, and mostly important, they invest in leadership and they invest in teams. So I think those are big keys in order to get things going and, and, and started. And so we were able to kind of connect some dots between um, that in order to pull on investors under a safe. And more uh, angel investors are moving towards safe agreements because what has happened in uh, Palo Alto and other places is that these small companies would give up so much of their, sure. they would give so much of the company for pennies. And then when they needed to raise large rounds, it would be very difficult because it was so chopped up. Their companies right. were so chopped up. So I would tell anyone who needs to raise money in the beginning um, to try as much as possible to raise money under a safe agreement. And Aaron Dirks, who um, is the CEO, serial entrepreneur uh, from <laughs> Baton Rouge, uh, and he owns and started PosiGen, which is one of the largest energy companies here, solar energy companies here in the state and in the country. And he told me, he was like, don't spend all your own money. Yeah. Go raise money. Good advice. Last question, y'all. What do we need here in Baton Rouge to make this a better, a better place to do business for startups in particular, but maybe for all companies? You're going to think on that one. Yeah, yeah. The culture, right? I think that we yeah. need a. I because I spend so much time here in Baton Rouge and in New Orleans, I've seen what Tim has done with Idea Village and New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, um, and they created and developed and infused resources into the culture of entrepreneurship. And I think that is what breeds tech companies and all these startups because people become more comfortable with the idea of not having a nine to five job that creates security and they take more chances. Yeah. So I think we have to create that culture and I think that Tech Park and others are trying to do that. Okay. Well, again, I've been here a year, a little over a year, okay. so um, I'm just now getting out into the world of entrepreneurship here. Um, so coming from Chicago, uh, we had a very lively entrepreneurial scene, so there was always resources that were always people to reach out to. When I first got here, uh, again, I was having a child, so uh, that's kind of kept me uh, busy. But now that I'm getting out, it seems to be that there is, uh, like you were saying, a culture you know, for entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not as many people as I'm used to, mm -hmm. but, uh, but still, uh, the entrepreneurs that I meet are really about their businesses. They're about growing their businesses. They're about helping other entrepreneurs. So. I'm still trying to learn. All right. Well, unfortunately, that's all we have time for. But Courtney Savitri, it's great to see high-tech innovations coming out of South Louisiana and with so many potentially exciting applications. So good luck to you both as you launch and grow your companies. Thanks Thank for you. sharing your stories on Out to Lunch. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Courtney Sparkman, president of OfficerReports.com, and Savitri Wilson, co-founder of ExemptMeNow.com. You can find out more about Officer Reports and Exempt Me Now by following the links on our website, itsbetonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2 for dinner nightly and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. Our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. 
Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitch's latest album, Puzzle, is out now. You can find out more about that at MitchellForeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's BatonRouge.LA and WRKF.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for It's BatonRouge.LA and WRKF 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum. By Schuert & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas, 